good to be here in the house of the Lord. Amen. And uh, man, I knew I loved uh, your pastor and his wife, but now that I've got a little time to spend with some of you guys, I love you guys too. It's just been a great delight. You have been such a blessing to us. We have thoroughly enjoyed Friday night and then again on uh, Saturday morning and looking forward to this word this morning. And I believe God does have a word us today and as I travel I have many many sermons but I have intentionally asked God Lord give me a message from God to you let me just be a mouthpiece and just speak that so that's my prayer so pray with me this morning that we'll be able to honor God and all that it's great to have my wife with me and sometimes I travel without her it just it's that's what happens but she's been able to be with me the last few trips we've made and it's her blessing to have her with me she's a prayer warrior and she loves the Lord and uh, God is so good I, I want you to just go ahead and turn your Bibles and uh, we're going we're gonna to look at a scripture where the Bible tells us that scripture that you and I have known forever and ever and ever. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. Ver chapter 18 and verse 20. My, when my wife and I first got married, we, we had a checklist. And, and I told her that I'm not just marrying a wife, I'm marrying a ministry partner. And your pastor keeps saying they've been preaching for 51 years, and that's true. But I started when I was a baby. I was just one. And uh, so I'm still young. But uh, anyway, but when I got in the ministry, I, was, I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. I wanted to be real. So when I talked to her, I said that we need to have some real agreements on how we're going to raise our children and what the ministry is going to look like. And there's a lot of things. So we went down this long checklist of stuff that, that we were talking about and agreeing on before we ever got married. And one of those was raising our children. We felt like that our children should always be involved in Christian education. And so both of my children today are in the ministry, pastoring churches, and, and we really believed that part of that was the fact that we was able to put them in Christian education and then when we traveled, I traveled for seven years, and during that time we did uh, homeschool. And we believe that, that parents have a judicial as well as spiritual and civil right, amen, to educate their children. And uh, we are so thankful for the state of Arkansas. Sarah Huckabee has just done a tremendous job of already promoting homeschool and Christian school within our state and has done a tremendous job. You are also blessed with a governor who has had real good liberties for Christian education. And so we thank the Lord for the leadership that God's given us. Also George Sitt, who is a governor in Oklahoma and uh, some of the things that he is promoting there in that state. Thank the Lord for godly leadership. Now, here's what we need to do. We need to pray, God, place godly men in the right positions. Now, when you pray that, what's going to happen is, is that God may ask you to take a position somewhere. Because there are school boards, there are city councils, there are jurisdictions, there are various things that you and I 
can actually be a part of and that God can put you in. And there have been places I've been that I didn't want to be, but I, I knew that God had opened that door and that we was there for a reason. And God will do the same for each one of you. So pray, pray, pray God, put godly people in godly positions. But when you do that, say, even me, Lord, if you can use me in a godly position to make city decisions or to make uh, legal decisions or to make family decisions in various places, then God will use you. And this is the kind of church where God has people. He is putting, intentionally putting, and I wanna, I wanna give you this word. This is what I saw over the last few days and I see it this morning. God is intentionally putting people inside of this building but it's not just for this building. Is that right, Pastor? Amen. All right, you're standing for the word of God. I'm gonna go ahead and read that. Uh, how many has ever heard this scripture? I mean, if it snows, we read this scripture. I know you don't know what that's like, but if, we, if it snows in Arkansas, this is the scripture that gets quoted. All right, here we go. It's Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst of them. How many believe that word today? Amen. You can be seated if you'd like. What a pleasure to be here. We love your pastors and his wife. We're, we feel it. We do feel at home. I don't know if I feel like cornbread and beans, but at least I, I do feel at home today. And I thank you for the invitation. I want to I want to preach a little bit about the testimony of two, the testimony of two, because when you go through the word of God, there are a variety of scriptures that talk about how important it is for corporate prayer. But God does not say corporate prayer begins with the 120 like we had in the upper room. There's been more prayer meetings along the way than just that. And oftentimes it was smaller numbers and God oftentimes calls two people to pray. And I know that this church knows a lot about what we call prayer partners. And the reason we have prayer partners is because prayer partners is a biblical concept of where people gather together and two people agree together in prayer for one thing. And when they begin to pray together for one thing, how can we fortify the family any better than with the master key? And that's called prayer. I believe that prayer can change your family. I believe prayer can change your husband. Prayer can change your wife. There have been wives that have prayed for their husband and God miraculously changed their spirit and their life. I've seen uh, men have gone the route of pornography. Men have got into illicit relationships. They've got into ideas or thoughts in their business that they should not have ever got into. And a godly wife began to go into a prayer closet and, and carefully chose a prayer partner without sharing the details Amen. And they agreed together in prayer and watched as God began to change. God can change a man, not through your words, but through your life. You see, the, the question is, what do I say to my husband? The real question should be, how can I be Jesus to my husband? A lot of times what we want to do is, what do I have to say to change him? But the truth of the matter is, is we need to ask the question, how can I be Jesus to my husband? 
And the same is true vice versa for, for men who have, maybe the wife is, is doing some things. Maybe she's involved in a job that just pulling away from the home and you see that she's getting away further and further from the house and you're beginning to be concerned and you're saying, what can I say to her? Realize there's not much you can say, but there's a lot you can pray. And when you go into the closet of prayer, you're not asking God, change my wife. You're saying, God, change me to be like Jesus. And when you become Christ-like, all of a sudden there is an attraction there, amen, that God begins to develop between two people. Now, one of the things about corporate prayer is that there is power in corporate prayer. I'm going to tell you some stories. One of them is, is that my wife and I were very seriously praying about something in the month of January. It was something that was so heavy upon both of us. It did not, not concern our home. It did not concern her or I. But it was something that was heavy upon our heart. It was a burden of prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? A burden of prayer. And we began to pray about this burden of prayer that we had. It was just something that weighed upon us. We would think about it when we went to bed. We would think about it when we woke up in the morning. So we began to pray about this burden of prayer. I have a room. Is It's in the upstairs of our church. It's not a room that's used. And so I'm, I just put a recliner in it, a lamp, a little table, and then it's got another bigger table. And that's all it has in that room. I go in there, shut the door, it's private, nobody knows you're up there, and I call it my upper room. And I go into the upper room, and I'm in there early in the morning, it's about 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, I need to have an answer. I need to have an answer. And I'm not asking you selfishly for me. I'm not asking you, Lord, to give it to me or do something for me. But what I am asking you to do is I'm praying this for somebody else. I'm interceding for them. And Lord, I just need to know that, God, there's going to be an answer for this. And, and uh, so I'm up there praying. And then later on in that morning, I, I, I uh, had this clip that someone recommended I'd listen to. And so I did. And I don't usually listen to other people preach, but sometimes I do. So, But this was a guy, just a short clip of a story he was telling about how his wife was going into surgery. And there were some other things happening in their family and in their church. And he was a pastor and it concerned him. So he was, he was in the hospital. His wife had got placed in the hospital that night. The next morning, they was going to do the surgery. He was very, very concerned about it. And the next morning when he awoke, he got up early and was sitting by the window. He'd spent the night with his wife, was sitting by the window, hospital window, and a dove came and lit upon the window seal of that hospital window. And he said, God just spoke to me and said, it's going to be okay. Now, that, that was not really, a, you know, just out of the ordinary, I didn't think. But I said, God, why don't you do that for me? I need to have a dove this morning. I need peace on this thing. God, this thing is weighing my wife and I down. We've got to have peace on this situation and know that God is going to come by. How many know what I'm talking about? When only you can have peace on something. You know what it's like. You didn't get the answer, but you got the peace. And that's what I was praying for. God, why don't you do that for us? Do that for me, Lord. Now, my wife, she feeds birds. Birds, eat in our, birds in our neighborhood eat better than I do. 
She feeds the birds, and she's always out there looking out the window. Oh, I see a blue bird. I see a red bird. I see, you know, and she's always telling me, hey, this, that morning she texted me and she said, you got to come down here quick. There's two doves. And they're sitting on the back porch. And I just burst into tears. I mean, I began to sob like a child. And the peace of God overwhelmed me. He said, I cannot just do it once. I can do it twice as much. Come on, church. Can I tell you the peace of God came over us and we realized it was going to be all right? And can I tell you we're in the month of May? Amen. And it is all right. God took care of the whole thing. Amen. Now listen, there's some people right here in this church, and I'm not for sure there's not, you know, sometimes God puts names on my mind and I don't even know why he does that. But if you're David, I want to let you know, David, God has heard your cry. Amen. He knows what you're praying about and he knows what's burdening your heart and God can help you. And I don't even know if there's a David in the house, but some of you know, amen. You see, here's what happens is this, there, there's this thing where God gives a peace when you pray about something that sometimes it's not, it, 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 you don't have an answer yet, but you know it's going to be all right. And what happens is, is that you reach out in faith better because peace preceded it. You know that it's going to be all right. When my wife had cancer and, and they were going to, they found cancer and they was going to have to do surgery and we called the kids in and we said, we don't know how this is all going to turn out. And we had prayer meeting that day. We had a, we roundabout, we, we believe in old fashioned Holy Ghost kind of praying, you know, and so we gathered her in the middle and began to lay hands on her and started calling on God. And we had a prayer meeting and when she got, when she got done, she said, I have a peace on it. I just have a peace. I want you to know when that, when that doctor got done, he come in and said, I wish all, everything was like this. We got an early start. Everything's going to be all right. She never had any, fear, any problems since then. It's been years since that happened. Again, can I tell you that peace precedes your answers? You're not always going to get the answer you want. But when you get the peace, you know you can walk ahead in faith because God just did something wonderful. There's something about a prayer partner where two people begin to gather together in prayer and they agree on something. They agree. I don't think there's any better two that can pray than a husband and wife. Man, that is an automatic prayer partner group right there. When husband and wife can call upon God for one thing together, then all of a sudden God said, I'm in the midst of them. One of the things that invites the Holy Spirit into your house, amen, is when a husband and wife learn how to pray together and for one another. When you begin to pray for your wife, you're not praying, God, change her into the woman I want her to be. You're praying, oh God, change her, amen, into the woman that you want her to be. Amen. 
Change me into the man that you want me to be. I remember as a young man going into the back bedroom and I said, God, I haven't got this figured out. I got a boy. His name is Brandon. He's two or three years old and I don't know how to be a father. I don't know what to do. God, you've got to teach me. You've got to show me. You've got to explain to me. Give it to me in small bites because I'm simple. I've got to have it visualized in front of me. You've got to tell me what to do. Amen. And you know, God began to meet with me in that room and begin to let me know, amen, if I would meet with him, he is my father and he'll teach you how to be a father. Come on, fathers. Amen. The thing of it is, is if you spend time with your father, amen, he'll show you how to be a father. That's the key right there is praying one for another. Amen. And can I tell you that, yes, there's two for companionship. The Bible said uh, you'll leave your, ma- your mother and your father and the two shall be one flesh. Yes, there's that testimony of two in companionship. Even Noah, you know, they gathered the animals two by two because there was, pro- uh, there was a future to that. There's something that we're la- I'm not living for today. We're living for tomorrow, too, and we're living for a future. I've got good news. I see some grandmas and grandpas here. Can I tell you, grandma and grandpas, one of the greatest things that you can do is leave not financial legacy to your kids, but spiritual legacy to your children. And the thing of it is, you can say, hey, kid, come over here. And, and, you know, maybe his name's John or whatever. Well, I have a Jake. I have a Jake, all right? So, Jake, come on over here. Jake, I want to tell you what. God's hand's upon you, son. Amen. Live in such a way the hand of God will always be upon your life. You know what you're doing? You're giving that child your your future. You're, You're beginning to talk to him about future. But there's been times we prayed together with Jake and cried together with it. Well, we've got eight more to pray with. And we prayed with Sawyer and we prayed with, with Hadley and we prayed with Torin. Torin the terrible. Torin is as sweet as pie. I want to tell you what, 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 lots of sugar in that guy. But I want to tell you what, there's times we gather together as a family or gather together with those grandchildren and pray and say, we are praying God's best upon your life and God's presence upon your life and God's blessing upon your life because God's got his hand upon you and wants you to be used of God. Amen. Thank the Lord for that, church. Thank the Lord that grandma and grandpas have that wonderful ability like Jacob to lay hands upon the son and pray that God would bless them in their future. Not just their, them, but their children and their grandchildren too. Because if Jacob can bless his family, then grandmas and grandpas can bless their family too. That's how we fortify the family. Don't be afraid to lay your hands upon a grandchild and say, son, I just want to pray for you. How many know what it's like to have somebody walk away from the faith? And you know what the devil does? He'll blame you. It's your fault. You lose your temper too much. It's your fault. You didn't treat him right when you was a dad or you was a mom. But how many know the devil is still the devil? There's going to be times when you got the you put the best inside of a child and watch them walk away. But can I just give you some encouragement today? Don't give up. Don't give up. I watched my brother leave the house at 18 years old. I watched him leave. 
It was the hardest day, one of the hardest days of this teenage boy's life. I was just a year and a half older than him. And I watched him walk away on his 18th birthday. He didn't even stay for the cake and the ice cream that mom and dad had gotten and put on the table that night. He walked away and we didn't see him for years. I could tell you he had a he had a tattoo from this shoulder down to his elbow and it was the death angel. I can tell you he rode in a motorcycle gang, been in drugs and alcohol and, 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 and just in and out of jail. I went to his house one day and knocked on the door and he didn't even let me in the house. We knew that we had to do something. So my sister, after my mom passed away and my dad passed away, my sister said, we have got to start fasting and praying for, my, for Terry to get saved. I love Terry, never quit loving him. But I knew that if I, did, if I loved him, then I knew God didn't quit loving him. So I began to pray for him, and my two sisters began to pray. Every Wednesday, our, our, our spouses would join with us. So six people fasting and praying every Wednesday for one thing, that my brother would give his heart and life to Jesus Christ within three months. My brother calls me on the phone. He had dad's Bible when I, my dad was a preacher. When dad died, I saw his preaching Bible there and I saw his notations. I wanted that Bible so bad. But the Lord spoke to my heart and said, give it to Terry. I said, man, he, he don't even want it. He'll throw it away. He won't even read it. But I knew the Lord was speaking to me. So I said, Terry. I want you to have this Bible. This is dad's preaching Bible. And I just, I, I said, I want you to have it. I gave it to him. On that morning, on a Thursday morning, he calls. He said, Jim, to a broken voice, crying. I've been on the back porch early this morning. I had this Bible laying in my, my lap. I was starting to read a little bit of it. I just gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ and he saved me. And I want to tell you what, thank you for praying for me. I want to let you know, don't give up. 30 years later, God heard and answered prayer and saved him. Amen. Friends, I'm not interested in how much time went by. I'm thanking God. Amen. What God gave us a promise, He would save him before the rapture. Amen. That's what I want to hear from heaven. Amen. God save him for the rapture, Lord. Amen. You see, when God put a help meet together, some guys got the idea that she's there to help meet pay the bills. And that works, that helps. But really what God was hoping for is that the greatest prop a man could have is a praying wife. You see, the Bible lets us know so many instances in Scripture where husbands and wives can pray together. Here's what he said about that. He said, don't let any kind of hindrance come in between you and your wife. She is the weaker vessel. Now, I want you to know, if you tried to arm wrestle your wife, you'd probably lose. So that doesn't mean she's just weak, strength, weak-minded, weak-spirited. There's some women here got some strong spirit in them. 
They got some, I heard some, wow, I, that's the most amens I got in the whole ser sermon right there. I mean, it was just coming from the back somewhere. But we got some women, got some strong spirits and strong hearts, strong lives. That doesn't mean they're weak. If you'll read that scripture there, it says that your wife is the fragile vase that you would put up in a china cabinet. And only keep out, pull out, and admire on special occasions. In other words, what God was saying about a wife is she is a fragile vase. She is something special. She is to be respected and carefully treated. And so he said, if you'll respect your wife, then your prayers will not be hindered. Your relationship is tied to your prayer life. And your prayers are retied to your relationship. That's why it's so important for husbands and wives to pray together. But it's also important, amen, for you that maybe you're widowed or, or, and such. And we have some really sweet widows in our church. And so they partner together and pray with one another. And I want you to know there is just something about praying together. Now, here's what the Bible says. I want to give you these scriptures because I believe that God, amen, could do something right here today in this house. The Bible says, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. I preached a revival in, uh, preached a meeting there in Arkansas. And went after the service, an 82-year-old lady met me out in the parking lot, said, I need to tell you something. Now, usually that means I did something wrong. But that, that day, she said, the Lord told me to tell you the next time is going to be a tsunami. She said, don't look for God to come little. Look for God to come big. That really touched my heart. Because I believe, amen, if God chooses to send a revival before he comes again, it won't be a little one. It'll be a big one. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. He said, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. When was that to occur? The Bible said, in the last days. Peter added those words. That's not in the original of the Old Testament. He added that after the Holy Spirit had fallen because he wanted us to know that what they had was a piece of the pie, but the rest of the pie was on the way. And it would happen in the last days. I will pour my spirit out upon flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I believe with all of my heart that we will see revival spirit among children and young people, and it will rise up from that level. Everything the world does comes from the top down. When God does it, He comes from cradle up to palace. He does it from the bottom up. It's not unusual, I don't believe, for children to be used of God. For teenagers to be used of God. A three-year-old boy 
was in his house. Mama told me this direct. A three-year-old boy was in it at the table waiting as his mom made macaroni and cheese. How many know three-year-olds like macaroni and cheese? If you don't know that, I just told you. She's making macaroni and cheese. He's sitting at the table. While she's doing that, he's lo he looks out the window and says, uh, Ma, Mom. And just by the tone of his voice, she knew that something was wrong. Something happened right there in the end that she was, it, what, what, what? Went right over there to him. And he goes, look out the window. I see Jesus. And he's clothed in all these colors. And I want you to know that a three-year-old boy does not know the book of Revelation. And the Bible says that he is clothed in many colors. I had to look it up myself. Not only that, but he turned and looked at his mom and said, and his mom looked out the window and she said, I didn't see nothing. She's, and he turned and looked at her and said, Mom, he told me we could pray anytime we want to. I want to pray for Callie. Now, Callie was a cousin. And Callie had been throwing up every day for three months. And they didn't know what was wrong with her. She was losing weight. She was sick. They didn't know what was wrong with her. He said, I want to pray for Callie. And that child prayed right there, Lord Jesus, heal Callie today. And from that day forward, Callie never threw up again. And whatever was wrong with her, God healed her completely. I want to tell you what, my spirit would be poured out upon children. Another service during the COVID period, a man was working hard. Rules were coming down that he didn't understand. And he said, I am getting so tired and so weary. Every day he'd come home and said, I, I am so tired. I'm so tired of all this. And I'm just so tired. I can't do it anymore. And it was moving on his mind as well as his body. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know there's sometimes when you don't feel well physically? It's because you don't feel good. Mentally. And all of a sudden he began to, you know, just his wife was getting very, very concerned about this man. A big man. Strong man. But it was bothering him. So on Sunday morning when he went to church and the altar service was given, he, he came to an altar and he knelt and he prayed. But he's not a guy that prays out loud. He's a guy that prays real quietly, and he's just down there just talking to God. And all of a sudden, a four-year-old child come out of, the, out of the pew, came up to the aisle, laid her hands upon that big man, and said, Jesus, he's tired. Not knowing one thing from this man's life. He said when he heard that, the Holy Spirit 
came from the top of his head all the way down through him. And he knew that God knew where he was and that God touched him because a four-year-old worked by the Spirit of God. I'm going to tell you something, guys. Hey, man. I don't know about you, but sometimes we're waiting on the pulpit to push it through. Amen. I'm waiting for a child to raise up with a word from God and say the Holy Spirit is being outpoured upon all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. Amen. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will dream, have, or dream dreams. Your young men will have visions. I used to thought that was two separate things. I began to ask the Lord about it. What does that really mean? And here's what I met and saw. Amen. That there's some things that's still in the heart of some men that are sitting right here in this church. You're an older guy. You've seen the faith. You've lived the faith. You've walked through the faith. Amen. You've held on when others let go. And you're still here. But you still got dreams inside of you. You still are hearing from God. And God's still doing stuff inside of you. Don't be surprised when young men start feeling attracted to that spirit and they start having visions to accomplish what you're dreaming. Those things that you've heard from God, a young man steps up, amen, and begins to talk to you. I want you to know that, friend, there's no generational gap with the Holy Ghost. He brings it all together. He breaks down every wall, amen, and glorifies Jesus Christ, amen. I want us to stand this morning in this church house, amen, because I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God is able, amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says that it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Do you, do you have singers that can sing? Amen. Come ahead. It's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord God of hosts. The Bible tells us that one can chase a thousand, but what can two do? Chase ten thousand. When people pray together, things begin to happen. The Bible tells us about Paul. Paul was, came into a city, and he was rejected by that city. They stoned him and left him for their dead, threw him out of the city walls, and left him for dead. I'm not for sure he was dead or almost dead, but he was somewhere in that area. Outside of the city walls, laying there, they thought he was dead. But the Bible says the disciples did something that I didn't read anywhere else in the Scriptures. And in that particular word, go ahead and stay the Greek out, you're going to find out that they formed a circle around Paul. And the disciples that were there, those, those 12 disciples, Matthias had joined them at the end, gathered around him in a circle, and they put him in the middle, Paul, that was dead, and they began to pray a resurrection prayer. And guess what happened? Paul got up. But Paul didn't just get up. He went back into the city and preached again. Folks, that's not just resurrection power. That's anointing power. 
What we need to do is believe that God, the reason the devil's working so hard on some young people and some of our kids, the devil's working so hard on them, is because not that, that, we, that uh, we're just praying, oh God, just save them. We're praying God resurrect them and anoint them. Amen. Because, Lord, there's a coming of the Spirit of God. It's already begun to move. It's already be moving in spirit in churches and in people's lives. And, Lord, the reason the devil's fighting our young people is because there's an anointing that he's trying to keep them from and a resurrected life he's trying to keep them from. And what God wants to do is raise up people that's anointed. How many know what it means to be in the Spirit? You know what it means to be in the Spirit. You know what it means to pray in the Spirit. You know what it means to pray for somebody else. Amen. With intercession. If we can fortify the family, we'll do it through the power of prayer. I want you to begin to come. Husbands, wives, you join hands. If you've got a son, daughter, grandchild that you're praying for, I want husbands and wives to come first, holding hands and coming down here, and you are going to pray together. Amen. You are going to pray one of those hallelujah, glory be to God. Amen. We're going to see this thing through right now.